So, uh, a few people have been asking me to do sermon notes. If you want one, uh, you, can, you can get up right now if you want to and grab one if you want some study notes. We're going to see how this goes. I did it for the rest of the book of Ephesians. Uh, we're also going to put these online. Uh, and you can, uh, the ones online is probably going to be the entire 19 weeks. So if you want to get it and print it yourself, you can do that. We may not print as many in the following weeks as this. But, so you got your friends, got all the verses we're going to go through. It's got a little place for notes. Got all this information inside, which I am much more entertaining than the strict information inside. Questions on the back. You're welcome. Oh, I get one. You haven't, you haven't read it yet. <laughs> uh, it's, it's so funny uh, that this game night that they're doing. My wife loves to play board games. Like so game night, my wife's all, and I'm all. I'll go with you. Uh, but then it's but then it's on a. Uh, uh, a night when she works at the hospital. So I'm like, oh, bummer. <laughs> but I would have gone just because I love her so much. I would have gone and played games. I think it's so funny that the picture is the game Sorry. It, I don't know why. It's, it's just there. Uh, next week, uh, just telling you up front, I'm going to be very cranky uh, because next week the time changes. Okay, Your clocks go forward. You lose an hour. So if you forget to go forward, you're probably going to be right on time when you normally show up. Late. Ha ha. Okay, so <laughs> next week, set your clocks for an hour on Saturday night, or you'll be showing up and we'll be walking out the door going, What happened? Like, I just got up. Well, yeah, and I'll be pretty cranky because that means I've got to be here really early next week and I don't do well in the mornings. Just warning you. Hellfire brimstone next week. You're all going to burn in hell. No. Um, my last, the last thing I want to talk to you guys about is we, we like to try and help people when a, when a good cause comes up. Uh, my brother has a friend, and his daughter's name is Maddie Cofield. And Maddie was diagnosed with leukemia back in December. And all of the treatments they're trying to do are not working. So what she has to do now is go down to either City of Hope or Stanford. And she has to actually get all of her like, bone marrow where they array it where they destroy it and then replaced. Her brother's a match, so her brother can help her with that, but this is very expensive. And so they're doing a barbecue on in April. Would it? Oh, not even the thing. Uh, barbecue in April. It's on the tickets. So go see my, my brother's right there. He looks just like me, but he's bigger and, and more manly. Um, and... And he's selling tickets, so, so pick a couple tickets up, help him out, because, again, it's, it's very expensive to do, and we want to help out this little girl, all right? And you get a chicken, bean, salad, bread, and a drink, and because I'm now on a low cholesterol diet, I'll just get, like, extra salad and no bread, because for some reason, God is teaching me a lesson in my life. <sighs> if you knew how much I love cookies... This would make total sense to you. Why don't you guys stand there reading to God's Word? This is 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 12, and it says this, So it is with you, since you are eager to have spiritual gifts, try to excel in gifts that build up the church. Let's pray. I don't know why the lights are dimming, but okay. Father, uh, we want to thank you so much for being a God who bestows gifts upon us as your people. Uh, we ask that we would do as you say in those gifts and that you would help us to build up your body by loving and following you and using the gifts as you have deemed them. Amen. Have a seat. All right. Uh, uh, we're in Ephesians chapter 4 this week. If you don't have a Bible, you can grab one in the back. 
you just get up and you can keep it if you don't have one. We'd love to give you a Bible. Uh, Ephesians chapter 4, again, starting in verse 7. But I'll give you a little background of where we're at before we get there. Uh, so far in Ephesians, we have seen that there is one God. This God exists as Father, Son, and Spirit. God is Creator. We are creation. That means essentially that there is one God and you are not Him. And so don't forget that. But we are people who are made in God's image and likeness. And But we, though, made in the image and likeness, we have sinned. Uh, we have violated God's decrees. We have walked away from Him in relationship with Him and other people. That means that we are left disconnected from God and others because of our own sin. But God comes and God remedies our situation by the Father sending the Son to die in our place. You'll see that Jesus, He came and Jesus was a prophet. He spoke on behalf of the Father. He was an apostle. He came and He planted the church. He was an evangelist. He came to seek and save the lost. He was a teacher. He was a rabbi that taught the Old Testament Scriptures. And He was a pastor that cared for those in need, uh, actually giving illustrations that He Himself was a shepherd. Jesus comes and He lives a life without sin. He is betrayed and He is killed. Uh, Romans 6.23 says the wages of sin is death. And we say, well, why did Jesus die if He didn't sin? Well, Jesus died for our sin, the sins of His people, so that we as a people, again, can be reconciled to God and have relationship with each other and be this thing called the church, not a building, a people. Those are the things that we have looked at, and I'm sure that you're thinking, wow, that was a lot easier than eight weeks of work. You know, the, but it's... Boy, you're going to be a tough crowd today. Okay, this is all about Jesus' redemption so we can be children of God and the church. Today, what we do is we live what's called post-resurrection. We live after the, after the resurrection. Jesus rises from the dead. He appears to crowds of over 500 people. Now he's seated at the right hand of the Father as our King and our Advocate. And so today we see what that resurrection means besides just giving his life, what it also means in terms of gifting to his people. So Ephesians 4, 7, this is where we stopped last week. That's where we're going to start this week starts like this. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. Uh, when he talks about this grace has been given, this is in reference to gifts. What we believe is that Christ is the head of the church. First Peter chapter 5 says he is the chief shepherd. In our vernacular, that means that he is the senior pastor. He, as the leader of the church, has decided what gifts the people in his church are supposed to have. If you are a Christian, you have the ability to serve God and build up the church because he enables you to do so. He is good in that way. We all have natural talents, things that we're good at, but we also have supernatural abilities when you believe to complete the works that God has for us on the earth. Jesus knew when you would live, what town you would live in, what church you would decide to attend, and he's appointed you certain gifts that he calls grace to build up Santa Maria as your city, element, if you call element, your church for the purpose of the gospel. Ephesians 2.10 says he has things for you and I to do. Ephesians 4.1 says you have a calling on your life that we are to be the church. So Jesus has things for us to do. He sends the Holy Spirit to accomplish those things. Verse 8. Uh, this is why it says, this refers to Psalm 68, 18, when he ascended on high, he led captive in his train and gave gifts to men. What does he ascended mean except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions? He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. Now, you, you probably go, okay, I got gifts, gifts, gifts. Descended us. I have no idea what this means. I, I have no idea what's going on here. There's actually a lot of speculation on what this verse means. I'll give you a couple, and I'll tell you what I think, which is right I'm really serious about that, by the way. Uh, Jesus died for the sins of his people. John 19.30, Jesus says, it is finished. This is the Greek word to telestai. It means paid in 
full. Our sins are paid in full. The work was done. Then Jesus says, I'm going to paradise. Some people, because they're crazy and don't know their Bible and are all freaky and weird, they teach that Jesus descended into hell and experienced the fiery torments of hell to finish redemption. He did not. You must always read Scripture in context. You pull things out of context, you can be like, uh, Judas hung himself, go and do likewise. You don't put those things together. You must keep things in context. In context. Jesus told us he is going to paradise. You know, you can call hell a lot of things, but paradise is not one of them. When Jesus says it is finished, he meant it is finished. Yes, you guys are great. Jesus didn't need to go to hell to secure salvation. Jesus does what he says. Finished paradise. It does not mean not finished in hell. It does not mean that. Okay, now, there are a couple other views on this as well. Some think they can go together. Eh, maybe, maybe not. I don't know. One view is what is called Abraham's bosom or Abraham's side. You know, it's like we think bosom, we think, oh, bosom. No, but bosom is like somebody's chest. You, know, you, you lay on it. Or Abraham's side where you would lean up against somebody you were very close to. Uh, there is a belief that the Old Testament saints who died, they died waiting and longing for the coming Messiah and Redeemer, but their sins had not been taken away because that Messiah had not died and taken away their sins. So they couldn't stand in the presence of God. So there is, in Hades, there is a place that, would, that had like a hell side and a paradise side. The paradise side was called Abraham's side. And this is where the Old Testament saints of old went and waited for this coming Redeemer to take away their sins so they can go and be before God the Father. Then you had the hell side, and the hell side is just hell, you know, ow, pain, don't go there, worms eating me, it's terrible. Uh, this is where people didn't love Christ and didn't have their sins forgiven and went. When, so they believe when Jesus ascended into heaven, he took those dead saints with him to heaven. Even if that was the case, uh, 2 Corinthians 5.8 says, if we die, we go to be present with Jesus. Okay, go to be present. In Revelation, it says that there's, you know, there's no longer this dual purpose in hell. Uh, the hell side is still waiting for its final judgment. And then those that die apart from Christ, death and hell, will be cast to the lake of fire. All this to tell you that if you die today and you believe in Jesus, you will go to be with Jesus. Okay? Now, the third view, which is the correct view, all right, that what these verses speak about is Christ's humility. Now, this is what we have been talking about for weeks. Like Paul said, Jesus was humble, 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 humble. You should be humble. You know, and he talks about it over and over and over again. So why in the world would he start talking about something really freaky right in the middle of this and be like, ha-ha, scared you, and move on? He does it. This is all about Christ's humility. Uh, the scriptures originally spoken in Psalm 68, uh, 18, the rabbis would refer this back to Moses and say, oh, well, that was Moses. In Psalm 68, 18, it says it like this. When you ascended on high, you led captives in your train, you received gifts from men. Subtle differences. It says, you know, when we get farther along, Paul says he gave gifts to men. So you have these subtle differences. And it's not a problem with Paul's memory. Uh, Paul was a great Hebrew scholar. You know that from history. The true sense of the psalm that Paul wants people to know is that this is not in reference to Moses. It is in reference to the triumph of God. That the victory has been won by Jesus and this victory is seen in the gifts that he gave to men. The standard Jewish phrasing he ascended means there needs to be a descending of some sort. The one who ascended can only be the one who descended and that would not be Moses. Moses, that would be Jesus. And the whole idea, is, again, is Christ's humility. He steps off of his throne in heaven, comes as a man, dies, rises from the dead, and ascends back to his throne to intercede for us before the Father. 
Christ's humility. It says, the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. That results from his, from his initial descending, his humbleness. Philippians chapter 2, verses 7 and verse 9 says, Jesus made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And then verse 9, therefore God exalted him to the highest place. William Hendrickson writes this, For believers in every age, it is certainly a comfort to know that he who ascended, so that he reigns over the entire universe, is still the same Jesus, filled with the same tender love which he showed when on Calvary's cross he descended. The purpose of his coming was that Jesus might fill all things in all ways, you and I included, and in filling us, he gives us, the church, his people, certain gifts. What Paul speaks about here is this is what's considered battle language. This is language of victory. When a king vanquished his foes, he would take all of his people back to his kingdom, sit on his throne, and proclaim victory. Colossians chapter 2, if you ever want to read Colossians chapter 2, this is what the entire Colossians chapter 2 is all about, is this victory and battle language. We are told that Jesus on the cross conquered our enemies of Satan, sin, death, and Hades. And he who came is now exalted in glory. When the king came back from a victory, he would ascend his throne, he would throw a party, and he would give gifts to all the people that were there. So he's on the throne, he steps off this throne to go and fight for his people, he wins the victory, he goes back, he ascends the throne, brings everybody together, and then this king would then give gifts. This is exactly what Paul is talking about and what Jesus did. He descended the throne to fight for his people, his bride, the church, the people he loved, and he brings them back into his kingdom and says, now I'm going to give you gifts so you can be the people of God. The gifts that he gives are certain abilities, but the gifts he also gives are the people that are around you. Take a look around you real quick. Just look around. Okay. This is the church. These are the people. They're not just people to get around in the parking lot when you're trying to get out. Okay. These are The people here are also the gifts. Jesus redeemed these people and saved these people. And that's why they're also gifts as well as the abilities. Uh, Paul tells us that then there are certain gifts and certain people that are placed in a church in order to lead other people. And those people have been given certain gifts in certain ways. Uh, the great problem, I think, in the American church today is lack of leadership. United, United States of America, uh, USA, is the fourth largest mission field in the world. Uh, I believe it goes China, India, Russia, United States. And we have the fourth largest amount of unsaved people in America. You know, if you are male and you're under 30 years of age, the least likely place you will be in the United States of America is inside of a church statistically speaking. And I think that's a lack of leadership. And so Paul tells us that church is to be led by five different types of leaders. Verse 11 says this, It was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers. I believe these are the five types of leaders God raises up to lead a church. So we're going to talk about these. A couple of them are controversial. I believe there's a difference between what's called office and ministry, and I'll explain that. I believe some people have abused this whole idea of apostle and prophet, and many people who say they are an apostle or prophet are false apostles and false prophets, and they are filled with themselves and not the importance of who God is. When someone shows up to Element and they say, Hi, I'm Apostle so-and-so, or I'm Prophet so-and-so, I anticipate that they are a freak and a nut job, just right off the bat, okay? So, if that's, they're all about themselves. They're not humble and saying, This is who God is. So, Apostle, Apostle, the office of Apostle. When we say Apostle, we mean there were 12. Okay? There are 12 of them. Jesus originally chose these people. They were privileged to be eyewitnesses of Jesus and his ministry, and they spent intimate time with him. 1 Corinthians 15 says they were eyewitnesses of Christ's life. Judas betrays Jesus. He is replaced by Matthias, eyewitness of Jesus. Paul was appointed by Christ. Uh, Paul, probably in his life, was eyewitness of Christ, and you know he was when Jesus beat him up. 
on the road to Damascus, so eyewitness of Christ. Today we don't have the twelve and we don't have Paul. The office was completed with those people. No new apostles writing scripture today, no matter what they tell you on the TV or in the books that they love to write. Ministry, though. The, the ministry of apostles. Some people have a gifting and a ministry of apostle, which means a pioneering work of a church planter. The apostles in our day go out and they start churches in areas where, where churches sorely needed. Pastors usually love Christians. Oh, I like the Christians. They believe the same thing I do. We get to hang out and talk about Jesus. That's great. That's, that's totally different than the gift of an apostle. And, and a gift of an apostle, someone who goes into a place with zero Christians, starting from scratch, and he starts something. That's an apostle. I have a very tiny bit, tiny bit of this gift because I want to help plant churches. Uh, I want to stay with you guys. I know you're thinking, I wish you'd go somewhere else. But I want to stay with you guys and, and help plant some other churches. I, when I drive through a town, it doesn't matter where it is, I, I actually I'd start looking at buildings and places and where people are and where, where a church can be built and meet and people get together and worship God together and go out and proclaim the gospel to their city. I'm always thinking about that. I think many people who, who want to plant churches should not. Uh, I had a guy because... I don't know if people hear about it, but they hear about how I, I want to help plant some churches. This guy comes in a while ago, and he's like, well, I want to, I want to plant a church. You should help me. And I'm like, well, what's your vision? How, how's God given it to you? And he's like, well, I'm going to go in about, about a month. I'll be working on this, and I'll go, and I'll start another one. And I'm like, yeek. You know, when, a, when an apostle planted a church, they were there for a couple of years, built up the church so it was strong, and then they went somewhere else and planted They raised up leadership. It was never for their own glory. It cost most of them their lives in doing what they did. Uh, and another guy a few months ago came in. He was talking to me. Uh, they started a, a church in Rancho Bowl in one of the baker rooms, I guess. Uh, they're a Filipino church. And so he came out and he said, hey, what about this Roque place on the end? And I go, well, I can give you our property manager's phone number and you can ask him and stuff. And I said, can I ask you some questions? And he goes, okay. And I said, uh, where do the people live that uh, attend your church right now? You know, who are you trying to reach? Oh, well, they kind of live over by Rancho Bowl. And I go, do they have cars? What do you mean? And I go, well, can they drive out here? Can they get here? And he's like, uh, I think so. I don't know. And, and I said, you know, what language do they speak? Do they want a church building all the way out here? Do they want to, you know, leave where they're at to move all, go out here and, and do this? And, and he looks at me like I'm crazy. But that's how I think. I think in movements and how you're going to reach those people. There's a reason why we're here. <laughs> because, I mean, all you guys, you drive by this place like every day. And it's like, I mean, nobody comes in. But, you know, we, we love to have people come. And, but but that, there's a reason why we're here. It's because this is where a lot of people look just like you, show up because that's who we're here trying to reach. We are, we are very calculated about this. Uh, I, I also want to tell you, if you guys don't know this, uh, 10% of everything that comes into Element doesn't even go into our budget. It gets set aside for the issue of church planting and world relief where there's, where there's issues and people have problems. We want to church plant and offer relief to the world. Right off the top, it just goes and gets set aside. Uh, apostle. The next one is Prophet. Uh, I do not believe there are prophets today like in the Old Testament. If you take the office of prophet in the Old Testament, you had to be Hebrew. Uh, you had to speak perfectly. And if anybody ever said anything that wasn't in accordance with Scripture or didn't come true, you got killed. Okay, That's how it worked. There's no repeat offenders. There's no JV prophet. There's no, I'm going to work my way into it. It's, that's what happens. Prophets gave us a Scripture. Again, no new books of Scripture being written. Now, the ministry of prophet, I think it's a couple fold. A little bit. Uh, some people today have the ability to take scripture and they bring it forth in such a way that people's hearts are melted and they understand God better. Where you take people's focus off of themselves and you place it back onto who God is. 
when people get hard-hearted, a prophet comes in and they preach repentance and reorients people's lives back towards who God is and shows them what life could be like living with God. I believe God gives prophets to the church today to take God's word and make it understandable to people. I also think that God, through a prophet, can also give people a new word, quote-unquote, but it is always subordinate to Scripture, and it is very rare, very rare. It, it is not like the people you see on TV. It's like, oh, God's speaking to me again, and God's saying, no, it's not God. You, know, you don't walk around and download messages from God every 15 minutes, like push to your iPhone. That, that's not how God communicates. Uh, I'll tell you this. this is how, I've been a Christian about 20 years at this point. This has happened to me three times since I've been a Christian. Three, okay, very, very rare. It has never been fun. Every time God does it, I'm like, "Are you serious? You want me to do that?" I don't. Okay, so one time, I got this guy that I, it's nobody in here. It's not you. I'm not talking about you. Don't be offended. Okay, so I, I got this guy who God says uh, you got to tell that guy to quit sleeping around because he's involved in ministry, and I go, "What? What? Because either I'm right or I'm out of a job at this point." So I'm like, so I go and I go. Uh, God wants you to quit sleeping around because you're screwing up his name. And he goes, how'd you know? And I go, I didn't. I do now. But, you know, I, I didn't. He wants you to stop. He's like, uh, I, I was counseling a little bit ago with a guy, and it was, it was very serious, and, and he, had, he had a lot of issues going on. And in the middle of it, God goes, you need to make him talk about when he was molested. And I go, I am not. <laughs> and, I go, and he goes, and I go um, have you ever been molested? And he goes, how'd you know? And I go, I didn't. I, three times. Okay, three times. It's not like I go to In-N-Out and I'm like getting a hamburger and I'm like, hey kid, quit making out with your girlfriend. You know, I, it's, I, it's not like that. It is, it is very rare. I believe God does it in very extreme circumstances. Prophets are usually a little rough on the edges. They think about movements and, and churches and what things need to happen. Okay, the third one is not as controversial. Last three. Uh, as evangelist. Uh, evangelist. Pe- these are people who love to talk about Jesus. To people who are not Christians. <laughs> Gotta throw that in there. Uh, they get frustrated if they gotta go to church five times a week because the Christians are the, the Christians aren't here, but the non-Christians are out there. I want to go talk to people about Jesus. Some people uh, or churches actually have evangelism pastors, and if you look at their job descriptions, sometimes it'll say 40 hours of in-office work during the week. Seriously. Right? If you're an evangelism pastor and you gotta call in sick and lie to do your job, there's there's a problem with that. Uh, apostles lead people to start churches, prophets. Uh, reorient people's lives towards God and evangelists lead other people to talk to other people about Jesus. In Santa Maria, there are thousands of people that do not know Christ. Someone needs to be talking to them. Evangelists are passionate about seeing people meet Jesus and every church needs evangelists in it. Uh, the next gift is, he talks about is pastor. This is the gifting, not the title. Okay, This is a gifting of pastor. A pastor loves people. They like canceling, love caring for people. They love Christians. Uh, they listen to you. This is not my gift. Okay? I'm just telling you right up front. Because they ask you a question and they actually want to hear the answer. I mean, it's why I preach. I get to tell you what I think and what you should think. I'm just like, there it is. I just throw it out there. Pastors want to get to know you. And when they say, I'll pray for you, you know what? They actually pray for you. They're amazing people. Now, uh, we have Tom, Eric, and I as elders, pastors, and element. Who do you think at element has that gift of pastor? Eric. Moy. Seriously. First service, same thing. Eric. Yes. Eric has that gift of pastor. He's, he, Eric loves people. He's energized by, by talking to people. He is a consummate pastor. He invests in people. He is never weak, but he's always forthright. And, he's, and he has a very gentle way of explaining the gospel to you. Uh, he can tell you, you're going to hell, and you will look forward to it. 
uh, teacher, uh, teacher. These are the guys who say, let's read, let's learn about Scripture, open books, be literate, let's know what God says and, and why God says it, let's expand our minds. Teachers. These are great people, these teachers. If you, if you look at our, our elder board, uh, you know, you, you have me. I've got a time of apostle, a little bit of prophet, and a whole lot of teacher. I, sometimes I give our board uh, of elements some books to read. It's like, hey, I want you guys to, to read this for our next board meeting. And seriously, the first two books I gave them, they came in and they're like, I don't even know what this says. I don't, I don't get it. So I've given them better books that they like uh, better now. But, but that's going to be, I always want people to learn and get concepts and, and, and all this stuff. Uh, you know, and again, Eric's a pastor. It's like, I want to go out and I want to shoot people and then let Eric clean them up. Because what I want to do, you know. And then in the evangelist, Tom, uh, Tom's an evangelist. He he really is. He loves non-Christians. Tom became a believer a little bit later in life. He loves non-Christians. I am very calculated with the gospel. I want to live my life a certain way. Have people see this, and then I'll think, okay, now how can I, in a conversation, if it comes up, I can then talk to somebody about Jesus. Tom is like, he, he didn't even say hi to you. He's like, hey, you know Jesus. You know, I mean, Tom's just like, just out there. You know, do you know where you go tonight? If you die and you don't know Jesus, hell. Uh oh, but you can put your life in Jesus' hands and you can know him and you can It's amazing. It's amazing. I have a, I have another friend who, who comes here and we go out to lunch sometimes. He's a consummate evangelist and he's always talking about Jesus. He's happy about it. Uh, you know, you know, Jesus, let me tell you, we're we're having lunch. And he's chatting up the waitress. Now he's married, so he's not like trying to pick her up, but he's chatting her up and stuff, and I'm like, later, later, wait till I get my food. And then so nobody Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. We need all of them together as a leadership if the church is to function in a healthy way. Uh, I, I will tell you this. This is one of the reasons that we say Jesus is our senior pastor, our head shepherd. Because if you have a senior pastor and it's not Jesus, things are not going to go well. Uh, if the church has a senior pastor and they're all hopped up on Bible study, it's not going to be any non-Christians around. If they're all hopped up on the, as being an evangelist, there's not going to be any building up of the saints. If they're all prophets, no one's going to show up. <laughs> multiple leaders, but Jesus is the senior pastor. Jesus is the chief shepherd. That's why Tom or Eric and I could kind of go a little different directions, and yet we're still under the head of Jesus, moving the same direction he calls us to go, and it's still good. And so why does he give his leaders, verse 12, to prepare God's people, that's element, for the works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. The goal of a leader is to help train you people how to do ministry, all of us how to do ministry. You know, if you are a Christian, what that means is you are in full-time ministry, period. We are all, every minute, every hour of every day, we are all in full-time ministry. The duty of a pastor is to teach you how to do it well. Most churches do this backwards. Most churches have too many pastors around. You know, the attitude is, you know, oh, there's so many things to do. Let's pay somebody to do it for us. You know, no. You pay a pastor to train you to teach you how to do ministry well. You are the ministers of the gospel. Our goal is to train you how to be involved. Uh, Ephesians 4.2 says, it is your calling it is your calling. I think God has purposely left element as poor as it is, so it forces us to train you to do things because we can't pay anybody else to do it. Sometimes getting you to do stuff is like pulling teeth with no Novocaine, though. You guys are, are crazy. You know, the average church in America today has one paid full-time pastor and one paid full-time administrator for that pastor per every hundred people. We could never afford that on our, on our best day. So who's picking up the mess and who's running small groups and updating the website and making food, leading music? You guys. Who's greeting and being ushers? and it's, it's all volunteer. We can never pay what people were worth, ever. If we had 300 people show up today uh, and, and, and say those 300 people gave one hour a week for a month, that's 1,200 hours. We, can, we wouldn't have the office space for that, for one, but we also couldn't afford it in, in terms of money. 
We have three elders, a handful of deacons, and a whole lot of people doing everything. And that is the beauty of the church. That's the beauty of the church. As a leadership, it's our duty to encourage and empower you to do what God has called you to do so that the body of Christ may be built up, verse 13, until we all reach unity in the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God. The reason churches, I believe, are divided today is that people aren't serving. They sit around and argue about the job descriptions for the person they think they're paying to do their ministry. And that leads to consumption and arrogance, but never humility. Ministry pulls people together so that we do things through humility to the glory of God in unity. It says, uh, until we all reach unity in the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. That means maturity comes through doing. Christianity is a way of life. I, I told you this before, it's about contemplation, or revelation that God reveals stuff to us, contemplation of what He has done, and then action that we work out in our hands that He has given us. James 1.22 says, Do not merely listen to the Word and so deceive yourselves. You do what it says. People who read a lot of Scripture and know a lot of Scripture but aren't doing anything are not mature people. Mature people serve. Jesus gives us leaders so we do what He was doing. And God, because I said this before, God just doesn't want us informed. God wants us transformed into the people He calls us to be. And the result is verse 14, Then we will no longer be infants. That's the word for babies. Tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and the cunning and craftiness of men and their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into Him who is the head that is Christ. From Him the whole body, that's us, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. When we are a people serving and working in the forward progress of the gospel, we're not going to be susceptible to the newest book or the cutting edge or the newest fad. When we stick together, we're okay. If we don't and we're not serving, we're going to run this way and that way and this guy has the anointing and this guy has this, oh my goodness, and we got to, oh, get this and that. No, it is Jesus' is God. We love Him and we live our lives like He calls us to live Him and live Him and that's it. And if you get off on all this weird stuff and you don't follow the forward progress of the gospel and you're just all in it for yourselves, one day you'll wake up and you're going to totally regret it. But if you read your Bible and you love Jesus and you love others, you will never regret it, ever. If you learn anything, you learn this. It is all for the glory of God and that you need your brothers and sisters. I told you this at the beginning. Jesus comes. Jesus was a prophet. He spoke on behalf of the Father. He's an apostle. He came and he planted the church. He was an evangelist. He uh, sought and he saved the lost. He's a teacher. He's a rabbi who taught the scriptures. He was a pastor. He cared for those who were in need. He cares for us all the way into this day today. He is all of them. He was not just one. And we can never just focus on one. We have to do all the things that he calls us to. Uh, and that, I think that's the full understanding of actually ministry. We as a church want to be a people who speak the truth in love, even when it hurts sometimes. And so that people will no longer be babies. I, my goal is that, you know, 10 years from now, you guys will not be the same people you are today. You will know Jesus better. You'll be serving even more and, and look back and go, I cannot believe how much God has done through me in my life because I love and I glorify him. That should be who we are in 10 years, a people who are astounded at what God has done through us as a people. I think when we do that, we will have unbroken unity as a people. The point for God's glory and that God would create a people for himself and connect people together as the church in Christ. And the point of the church is us doing our part, the supporting ligaments, he calls it, growing and building in love as each person does their work. Each person does their work. And you will not be mature or unified unless we are growing closer to Christ alongside others for the cause of Christ. I think the church for too long has acted like it's a business where people come and they get goods and services. 
And I told you this before, the church is not a business. The church is a family. You go to Applebee's, they clear your table and wash your dishes. You go to your mom's house, you clear the table, and you wash the dishes. It's, we care for family more than we should care for ourselves. We care for God's glory more than we care for our own because we are all part of this family. Ephesians chapter 4. Do, do we get this as a church? Uh, apostles. Are, are we looking to plant some other churches? Yes, we are. Prophets. I yell at you for over a half an hour every single week. There's my contribution. You're welcome. Evangelists. Have people gotten saved here? Yes. People have come to know Jesus Christ here, and lives have been transformed, and marriage has been brought back together. Uh, pastor. Anybody ever gotten counsel here? Yeah, people have gotten counsel. It's free. You get what you pay for, but, you know, you, you got counsel. And, and teachers. Anybody ever learn anything here? I hope you guys learn stuff here. I mean, I, I spend a lot of time with God and then reading, trying to help you guys to learn and understand Scripture really well. And, and I want you guys to be encouraged because, you know, we're not perfect. We, we do have lots of things we know we need to work on, but we're moving in the right direction, I think. Uh, and now we just need to keep going. And my thing for you this morning is I would ask you that if you take some prayer time this, if you don't take prayer time this week, take some. And if you do, start asking God where he wants you at. Is God calling you to leadership? Is God calling you to help somebody in leadership? Is God calling you to do something that maybe you're scared about? I will tell you, if God calls you to do something, step into it. He will give you the strength to do it. Now, it's, I mean, a lot of people say, oh, well, you know, the safest place to be is right in the will of God. <laughs> I don't know what God you serve, but that's, <laughs> that's not God. Okay? God will take you and you just go through turmoil and out on the other side you'll be so much stronger and so much healthier and the person you're called to be, but He will give you the strength to do it. That is who God is. He's a good God, calls people into certain places, and we're just supposed to simply follow where he takes us. So I'd like some of you to be praying. You know, where does God want you to step into? Anybody wants to step you into leadership, here or somewhere else? I don't know. As I say every week, you know, we, we do worship God through prayer. And I encourage you guys, as this morning, if, if you need prayer and you're not sure where you fit in or what you want to be doing or where God's calling you to, there'll be some elders and deacons in the back. And they would love to pray with you to help you to connect and to figure out where God wants you to be. Even if it's just still unsure in the end, you just be like, okay, God, where do you want and need me to be? Uh, the band's going to come up. They're going to do a couple songs. And as they do, I invite you to take that time to pray, to ask God you know, where he wants you to be in, in his scheme of things, uh, how you, know, you can be working for the forward parts of the gospel with your brothers and sisters around you. Sorry, I was leaning on that. Huh? <laughs> Uh, we invite you guys to worship God through communion. Uh, there's, you come up and you take the cracker and you break the cracker, which represents Christ's body, which was broken for us. You dip it in the wine of the grape juice, which represents his blood that was shed for you and I, so we can be redeemed and be his people and be unified. And so he can ah, give us gifts and, and walk into who he calls us to be. I worship God through giving. There's offering boxes on the side wall and in the back, and we give simply because God gave so much to us. We're going to the fellowship. You guys can hang out in the back. There's uh, Shannon Harris made a whole bunch of yummy things, which I can't eat anymore because of my cholesterol level. Uh, but there, So there's plenty more there for you. In the, uh, you hang out. Get to know other people in the body of Christ. Uh, Jesus loves you more than you can ever know or imagine. And he calls you to love other people, and he does that by getting you guys together, unifying you. Uh, how you love other believers is going to mainly show how much God loves us as a people. People will know God's love for us by how you guys are supposed to love one another. So get to know one another. That would be helpful. <laughs> we are a people uh, called to great things. And we just need to trust God as we step into those things. Let's pray.
Hey, normally at this point on the podcast, you would hear me start to pray. We actually had technical difficulties on Sunday morning, and my prayer got lost in the ether of the netherworld of computer programs. So, instead of me trying to splice a prayer at the end of this podcast, how about you go and pray? You ask God where he would like you to be involved in areas at Element or the church where you attend, and you just listen to our podcast. Uh, Be involved, and ask God to show you the places where you can be best helping to further his kingdom in this world.